The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of 1 John. I am aware of the time. I know we have 15 people to baptize at the end of this service. I'm so excited. So you pray, I can preach quick, and we get everything done today. Will you do that? As we kick off the Christmas season, let me say it again. Let's remember, Jesus really is the reason. We're here to worship Him, to adore Him, to magnify His name. Kind of reminds me of the uh, dad who asked his son, what do you want for Christmas, five-year-old boy? The boy said, well, dad, I'd really like to have a baby sister. Just so happened mom was pregnant. On Christmas Eve, she delivers a little girl. Brought the little girl home on Christmas Day. The little boy was thrilled. He got his wish. He had a baby sister. So the next year, the dad says to him, son, what would you like for Christmas? And he thought for a moment. He said, well, dad, if it wouldn't make mom too uncomfortable... I'd really like to have a pony. (laughs) Yeah, that one's going to resonate. It'll soak and you'll laugh again and again and again. Some of you will get that next Tuesday, but that's okay. That's okay. Anybody here guilty of re-gifting anyone at all? I got to confess, I'm the world's worst. You give me a tie, I'm going to re-gift it. You give me aftershave... I'm going to re-gift it, I guarantee you. You give me a neon Jesus, I'm going to re-gift it, I promise. Wouldn't it be great if you could re-gift things back to the person who originally gave it to you? Oh yeah, that would be super. I like that idea. But you know, two things I will never re-gift? Dr. Pepper and Snickers, that's right. That's right. Somebody's with me over there. Somebody already has the anointing. Over the next four Sundays, I want to talk to you about the gift that God has given us. We're going to unwrap these gifts by using four words. The first one this morning we're going to talk about is love. Next week, after the children's musical, we'll talk about hope. And then the following week, we'll talk about joy, and the choir will be back, and they're going to sing some Christmas songs for us that day, two weeks from today. And then we'll wrap up December talking about peace, the four things that God has given us as we unwrap the gift of God. So look with me, if you would, please, to 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. This morning I'm reading from the message version of the Bible. It says, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we we once upon a time loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray now that you'd anoint the ministry of your word, touch hearts, change lives in the remaining moments of this service. In Christ's name I ask it. Amen. How do you measure the value of a gift? Is it by the wrapping it's in? Is it because it's pretty and has bows on it? Is it by the size of the container or the box? Is it by its weight? Do you measure it when you pick it up and shake it and you can hear it rattle inside of you? How do you measure the value of a gift? All of these kids at one time or another have slipped under the tree and picked up the present with their name on it and tried to figure out what was inside. Maybe we should measure the value of the gift by its cost. Maybe we should measure it by its usefulness. 
You see, God has given us a great gift, but so many in our world today have left it wrapped up, sitting in the corner. Over the next few Sundays, we want to unwrap the gift of God. We want to make God's gift personal and real to every person who comes into this room and to every person who is watching online, to every person who will later watch the videos and the DVDs. They need to understand, we need to understand the value of God's gift. How do you measure the value of God's gift to you? Let me suggest to you very quickly three ways we can measure the value of God's gift. Number one, it's measured by its usefulness. You'll have to write that down in your outline because I didn't give you that word today. So if you received a CHC today when you came in, flip it over on the back and write down usefulness under point number one. What's the usefulness of a gift to us? Notice in verse 9, it gives us the usefulness of the gift. It says, so that we might live. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Life and that more abundantly. What a promise. He didn't come just to give us life. I mean, think about it. Anyone that's alive, anyone that's taking up a space and breathing oxygen is alive, correct? So he didn't come just to give us life. He came to give us a different kind of life. He came to give us a life that was out parallel, without measure, a life that we had never known until he came to us. He didn't come just to give us an existence. Sometimes that's the way we define life. Well, I made it through another day, just an existence. But he came to give us life that has meaning, life that has worth, life that has purpose, life that has value, a life that will cause us to be complete with eternal benefits and consequences. You see, when we recognize the gift that God has given us, the gift of love, we begin to understand He's made each one of us as special individuals for a special reason and purpose. It should never cease to amaze you and I that God loved us so much in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. When we were unlovable, when we were ungodly, when we were separated from Him and knew nothing about Him, He still loved you and me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, the Apostle Paul says it this way from the Amplified Version. He chose us. He actually picked us out for Himself as His own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be set apart for Him. When you read those scriptures, you recognize that Jesus came wrapped in love so that he could show us life and our lives could suddenly have meaning and fulfillment. We were created specifically. We were handcrafted by God. We were uniquely made, some of us a little more uniquely than others, you know what I mean? Uniquely made to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Angela Laws, would you come please this morning? We need to understand that we are here. We are made to bring glory and honor to God. My purpose in life is to live a life that magnifies the Lord, that shows the love of Jesus Christ, that encourages fellow believers, that lets those who have never met him know and understand there is a love they've never yet experienced found through Jesus. Angela has a story to tell you that happened just yesterday about that very thing. Amen. Uh, this is my story. It's not, um, it may sound familiar. Uh, it may sound familiar to some people, but this is something that happened directly to me. About a year ago, my husband and I had been praying about 
just the direction that God wanted us to go as a couple, things that we needed to do, places he wanted us to go. And one of the places that he chose was the um, housing um, unit that's around the corner from the church. Um, that was a year ago, and we talked about it, and we did absolutely nothing. We did not go. We did not make contact uh, with anyone, and we just waited to see what someone else was going to do. Well, yesterday we had a beautiful Faith in Action Benevolence, and um, I went out and was in the same neighborhood giving out flyers, and I met up with three people who basically, and they were so kind to me. I want to make sure that I say that. They were very kind uh, in trying to make sure that they didn't say anything that would... Uh, offend me or hurt my feelings. But what they said to me was, we would love to come to your church. And I just said, you know, come, you know, we're not trying to take you from, if you belong to another church, that's not what we're trying to do. But what we are trying to do is to let you know that we're there and that we care for you. And if you need something or you need prayer, we're, we're in the community, we're here together. Well, this lady, she looked at me and she said, I've been here for 11 years and no one has come. And it, it, it took me by surprise, but it convicted me because I knew what God had told me to do. And I did not do that. She went and got another young man and he came out. He said, I have nieces and nephews who would love to go to church. And um, you have to excuse me. <sighs> He said they would love to come to church. And I started telling them about all the wonderful programs that we have here at this church, and we really do. And he said, I would love to. I said, call the church. Here's the number. Here's my name. Call. We'll come and get you. And then another lady came out, and she went, you know, they were just started to come, and she said, we felt like you didn't want us there. Hmm. And that convicted me because I feel like a year ago, maybe if I had been obedient to God's word, those words would not have come out of her mouth. But I promised her that we are not that church. That's not who we are. That's not who we, rep who we represent as God. And they need to see that from us. But sometimes they can't come to us. Sometimes we're going to have to go to them. And one of the scriptures... As I, I went through it all night long last night, just saying, you know, okay, God, just show me what to do. And he just said, go, just go. But he gave me this scripture. But how can people call for help if they do not know who to trust? And this is from the Message Bible. And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if no one tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them? unless someone is sent to do it. And today, I take that challenge and I take it as my responsibility to never let anyone in that neighborhood not know that Christian Heritage Church does not want them here and do not love them. So I just ask you to read over that scripture, maybe on your own, but we are sent and we are commissioned to love everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. John said the love of God is not in us if we don't love the brethren, if we don't love one another. You see, the gift that God gives us, the gift of love, becomes useful when we begin showing it to those around us, as Angela and a few others did yesterday. We have to understand that the gift of God isn't meant to be contained in this building. 
It's not to be contained only in our hearts or in our homes, but it's meant to be shared. And it becomes useful when we choose to share the love of God to those around us and show them what He's done for us. We need to understand our purpose is to share God's love, share that gift with those that we come in contact. So that one day we'll hear Him say, according to Matthew 25, 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? I had an old preacher friend years ago that every time he ordered a steak, he'd ordered it well done. I said, man, they're burning it up. You're ruining your meat. Why are you doing that? He said, oh, I'm just practicing. I'm just getting ready for the day when I hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. We need to understand when we choose to do what he's called us to do and let the gifts of God flow through us, they become useful. Number two, the gift of God is measured by cost. Measured by cost. Never forget the, the husband who bought his wife, this wife-to-be, this beautiful ring. Three carats, great color, clarity. Uh, what's the other one? I don't know. There's four C's, right, to diamonds. I don't know what they are. You ladies know what they are. Uh, you can help me out later. The four C's were there. It was a beautiful ring. She put it on her finger. Oh, it was gorgeous. And she began to think after they got married, this ring is so valuable, I really should go down and get it insured. She called the insurance agent and said, you need to get it appraised first. So she went to the local jeweler and she said, my husband bought me this wonderful ring and I'm nervous because it's worth tens of thousands of dollars and we don't have it insured. Would you mind appraising it for me so that we can get it insured? And so he took a look at the ring and didn't really quite know how to say it to her when he had to tell her the ring really isn't platinum. It's, it's really not. It just looks that way. It's stainless steel. The diamond really isn't a diamond. It's one of those cubic zirconas. It's really not the real thing. You can imagine there was one more C in her vocabulary toward her husband, and it was cold, cold. She went back home. She said, what are you doing? You bought me this ring I thought was so valuable and it's worthless. He said, are you kidding me? Well, when I bought it from the guy out of his trunk in the parking lot behind the grocery store, you know where we're going with that. But the gift of God has cost attached to it. It is valuable. And can I tell you, God really doesn't want our leftovers. God wasn't, doesn't really want just a part of us. He wants the best you and I can give to him. We should always bring our best because he has given his best to you and I. He paid the ultimate and supreme cost so that you and I could have the gift of love. Jesus Christ died on the cross when you and I didn't even know we needed a Savior so that at one point in our lives he could come into our hearts and transform us and change us. That's the kind of love I'm talking about this morning. Not love that just says, I love you and walks on by, but love that comes with a measured cost. That he sent his son as a sacrifice. God knew what had to be done. He understood the price that had to be paid. He knew it was going to cost him. Jesus knew it was going to cost him. But they also knew it was best for you and me. That there was no other way to salvation except through the man, Jesus Christ. That he came and died so that we could live again. True fact, the gift that God gives me is absolutely valuable. It's priceless. The cost is immeasurable. And number three, very quickly, God's gift, it allows it to be effective. You can measure it by its effectiveness. You know, if I get a toaster for Christmas, I expect that thing to make toast. If I get a coffee maker for Christmas, it had better make coffee. And if you get one of those fancy ones, it'll make everything in the world. Probably even iron your shirts and change your seats. But 
If I get a tie for Christmas, I'm regifting that. You know what I mean? The question we need to ask is, is the gift effective? Is it effective? Does it do what it's intended to do? When God gave us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, and the gift of love, what was its intention? Its intention is to change you and me. Its intention is to dispel darkness and bring light. Its intention is transformation. Oh, I'm here to tell you, if we know Jesus Christ, if we have accepted him as our Lord and Savior, our lives should be different than it used to be. Come on, somebody say amen. There should be transformation occurring in us because he is now living in our lives. When I look at our text this morning, it's almost like those three verses are a mathematical equation. It's almost like one plus one equals two. It's like God's gift is useful, God's gift is valuable, and God's gift then becomes effective. You see, it equals this statement, we ought to love one another because God loves us. Tom and Braden, would you come and get ready, please? Verse 11 says, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love one another. The word ought can also be translated must. And it's, it's not simply something we should do, it's something we must do. When you look at the Greek, the root of that word, trans, actually translated, it means to owe something. To owe something. The gift God gave us then causes us to show that love. It causes us to be effective. It causes us to be moved as Angela was moved yesterday when she found someone who thought they weren't wanted in the house of God. Oh, the gift of God has to be effective in your life and in mine. Listen, folks, we can't come in and sit on our padded pews and say, oh, wasn't that a wonderful service and keep it canned up and bottled up and not share the love of God. With anyone. When we walk out of these doors, we got to know we're entering the mission field. There is a call on my life. There is a gift in me, and I am bound by God to share that with those around me. So I can't do that. I work in a state office. Try it sometime and see what happens. Do you know how many folks in this auditorium today work in state offices? And they tell me all the time, I talk to somebody about Jesus. I share the love of God. Oh, come on, folks. Don't let culture command you not to share the love of God in the face of a counterculture. You more than ever need to rise up and show the love of God. I've got news for you. The only hope for America is the love of Jesus Christ. It's not coming from the White House. It's not coming from the State House. It's not coming from any other place. It only comes from the throne of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, being shown and reflected through you and me. His love, this great gift, becomes useful in our lives. Again, that root ought means to owe something. You owe a payment. You're under obligation. You must pay it back. Let me say it one more time from verse 11. If God loved us like this, we certainly must love each other. Why? Because God's not done loving the world. He hasn't finished reaching mankind. What does the word say? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Jesus didn't just die for middle-class America. Somebody say amen. Jesus didn't just die for folks who look like you 
Oh, I believe the church ought to be a representation of its community. And that means in this building this morning, there should be white, there should be black, there should be Asian, there should be Hispanic. Every ethnic group ought to be in these seats and we ought to be worshiping and glorifying God because God isn't yet done reaching the world. Can you say amen? And the great thing or the unfortunate thing, one or the other, is that he chooses to do that through you and me. He chooses to do that through you and me. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, the Bible says, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, that's our command. Our command is to let the light of the love of Jesus shine through us. Oh, when you're in a restaurant, that server should know there's something different about you. You know, I, uh, Yvonne's after me all the time. Sometimes she calls me a grappy old man. Sometimes that's true. I'll let you know that. But she's always telling me, I got this habit. You know, it came with me from Denver. Somebody doesn't move when the light turns green, I'm on the horn. Relax, Steve. It's going to be okay. No, it's only one shade of green. They really need to go. Lighten up, she tells me, because you never know who's going to know who you are. Some true stuff there, folks. We need to take that with us and realize that we are to be light shining in darkness all the time. But if we look like darkness, we're not going to shine very much, are we? So let the light of Jesus change your countenance, change your attitude, change your personality, and let him shine through you. I've asked Braden and Tom to sing a song that it is not a religious song, but it's a song that embodies the love of God and the love that we should have for one another. Watch and listen. Pennies for what seemed like years that 
pressure sets and there's not enough here He searched his pockets frantically And then he turned and he looked at me He said, Mama made Christmas good in our house Most years she just did without Tell me, sir, what am I gonna do? Somehow I've gotta buy her these Christmas shoes So I laid the money down I just had to help him out And I'll never forget the look on his face when he said Mama's gonna look so See, the question is, does the gift change you? Does the gift affect you? Does the gift make a difference in the way you treat those around you? Those who are going to be baptized, would you please just be dismissed at this time? For you see, the gift really isn't very effective if it isn't useful and effective in our lives. God still wants to love the world, but he wants to do it through you and me. He wants to do it because we have unwrapped his gift and we've shown it to those around him. We have proven to them once again that God still loves them. The question is, are you willing to allow him to do that in your heart and in your life today? 1 John chapter 4, verses 9-11, through 11, the Bible says it this way, This is how God showed his love for us. He sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That's the kind of love we're talking about.
And then verse 11 says this, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. Stand your feet with me across this room this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question. Are you in this room today and you've never experienced the love of Jesus Christ? You haven't asked Him to come into your heart and into your life. You haven't asked Him to forgive you of your sins. You haven't asked Him for that gift of love. But today, through the entirety of this service, He's been talking to you about your need to know Him as your Savior. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this place today, you're hearing you say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart and in my life today. I want to receive the gift of His love so that I can be changed. That's you across this room. Would you raise your hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. I need the gift of God's love. Yes, sir. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Pray for me. Pray for me. Yes, ma'am. Anyone else? Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Raise your hand and say, that's me. Elders and deacons, would you come right now, please? I need you to come and help me stand across the front facing the congregation. Elders and deacons, come. Those of you who raised your hand, I want to invite you to come and join with us. And we're going to pray together for God to touch your heart and to touch your life this morning. So if you were one of those many children, several of you raised your hands. Adults, several of you, yes, sir. Welcome them into the family of God. Welcome them. Yes, others, come. You raised your hand. Come this morning and let God do a work in your heart and a work in your life today. Oh, come on. Don't you love it when kids come into the kingdom of God? That ought to be something that makes you rejoice. That's exciting to see young boys and girls come to Jesus. Anyone else you want to join these, you want to respond. Everyone in this place, pray with me, please, this prayer. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior, and I cannot save myself. I ask that you come into my heart, you come into my life, and transform me. I confess you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Elders and deacons are going to pray with these who've just prayed that prayer, and now the invitation is for you. If you're here today and you need God to help you show his love to someone else, this is your time. This is your moment. We don't want to pass by anybody. We don't want to walk by anyone. You want God to use you to be that ambassador of his love. And you want him to pour that into you today. Would you simply step out and come as Tom begins to sing? We're going to have a time of prayer and ministry. And then we're going to do the water baptism. So if you would like God to use you, this is your opportunity. Come right now and we will pray for you. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.